Hello and welcome to Christ for Us, a confessional Lutheran broadcast. I am Pastor James Preuss of Trinity Lutheran Church here in Ottumwa, Iowa. That portion of God's Word which we consider today, the Holy Spirit caused to be recorded in Matthew chapter 17. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one of the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is our text. Those who profess to be Christians but do not go to church will often say it, but I pray a lot. And that's good. Every Christian should pray. But what is prayer? Prayer is speaking to God in faith. As Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer, we should believe that God is our true Father and that we are his true children, so that with all boldness and confidence we may ask him as dear children ask their dear Father. However, there is a time to stop speaking and to listen. In fact, you should listen a lot more than you speak. Otherwise, you will not even know how to pray to God in faith. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him, proclaimed God the Father, interrupting Peter while he was speaking. And so we should learn from Peter's experience to stop talking. Even pause your praying and listen. But how can we listen to Jesus? He has ascended to the Father's right hand. None of us has ever seen him. How can we obey the Father's command to listen to Jesus? We listen to Jesus today by listening to the Bible. The Bible is a book entirely about Jesus. The Gospel of Matthew begins, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, before it then lists Jesus' lineage from Abraham down. In other words, the history that goes along with all these people of the Bible is a history about Jesus. Jesus is the culmination of all scripture. On that high mountain stands Moses and Elijah speaking with Jesus. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, known as the Law or Torah. Elijah represents all the prophets. In the Bible, the Old Testament is called the Law and the Prophets. The New Testament is referred to as the writings of the apostles. On that mountain, with the two prophets and the three apostles, we see the testimony of the entire Bible, that they speak of Jesus. When you hear their words, you hear Jesus. Scripture says that everything must be determined by two or three witnesses. In the Bible, we have multiples of that. Forty authors wrote 66 books over 1,500 years Yet with one voice, they proclaim Jesus. Humanly speaking, the Bible is the most reliable ancient document in history, yet we do not trust it as a human document. We trust it as God's word. 
we heard St. Peter conclude from the Transfiguration. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a light lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 1, 19-21. And St. Paul concurs in 2 Timothy 3, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The prophets did not write their own words, but God spoke through the prophets. The apostles did not write their own words, but God spoke through the apostles. In John 1, the evangelist calls Jesus Christ the Word because he is the voice of God. When we hear Holy Scripture, we hear the voice of Christ. When we hear Holy Scripture, we hear God's voice. This is why Jesus says, Scripture cannot be broken in John 10, and why the psalmist in Psalm 119 declares, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Bible is the word of God. It does not simply contain the word of God, nor is it about God's word. The Bible is God's word. And for that reason, the Bible is the only source and norm of Christian teaching. The phrase source and norm means that this is where we get all of our teaching from. St. Peter writes, to the Ephesians in chapter 2 that the household of God is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. The apostles and prophets are the New and Old Testaments of the Bible. The church stands on the foundation of Scripture, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone for all Scripture is about him. This is why our Lutheran confessions call the Holy Scriptures the pure fountain of Israel, the Bible is the source of all divine knowledge. There are two religions in the world, God's religion and man's religion. And there are two sources of religion in the world, God's word and man's word. All false teachings come from man's word, from man-made traditions which replace the pure word of God. And all man-made traditions which oppose God's word point to the same man-made religion which teaches us that if you are good enough whatever that means, you will be saved, whatever that means. Have you ever heard someone say that all religions are the same? This is why. Because all man-made religions are the same. Hinduism, Judaism, Islam, Mormonism, the Watchtower, Papism, they all teach that if you do what is in you, you can be saved. It all depends on your free choice, your works. But Christianity is not a man-made religion. Because the Bible is not a man, man's word. It is God's word. And this instructs us on how we should read and listen to the Bible. If you read and listen to the Bible as if it is just another man-made book, then you will come to man-made conclusions. If you read the Bible looking for answers of geology, geography, history, art, literature, math, science, music, then those are some of the answers you'll come to if you... Find, if you look at the Bible simply as a rule book, the writings of men on how to live a fulfilled life and achieve salvation by your works, then you may rank the Bible with the Quran and the Hindu Vedas. 
But how does Jesus tell you to read the Bible? You search the scriptures because in them, you think in them, you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness of me, Jesus says in John 5. The scriptures bear witness of Christ Jesus, the source of eternal life. St. John writes toward the end of his gospel, These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You read the scriptures so that you may know Christ Jesus and have eternal life through faith in him. And here we see that on that high mountain is not simply Moses and Elijah and Peter, James, and John as representatives of the Old and New Testaments, respectively, bearing witness to Christ, but Christ was bearing witness to them. That is one of the reasons Jesus brought up his three disciples on that mountain. It is so that he may say to us, you want to listen to me? You want to hear what I have to say? Then listen to these men. Read their writings. When you hear them, you hear me. You want to find me? Read the Bible. But what does scripture say about Christ? How does it say that he saves us? In the transfiguration of Christ, we have a summary of it. Jesus was transfigured, that is, his appearance changed, so that he shone bright as the sun and his clothes white as light. God the Father declared, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Here we see that Jesus is true God. His humiliation, by which he hid his divine nature, has for a moment been lifted. This is how Christ will appear when we see him on his glorious throne in heaven. Jesus is true God, and he remains true man. They still recognize him as the man Jesus. Here they see the miracle which has been occurring since Christ was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Christ is God, yet he is a man. It's like the burning bush which Moses saw in the wilderness of Sinai. The bush was aflame, yet the flame did not consume the bush. Moses must fall to the ground before God. He can't even see God's face without dying. The people of Israel are terrified even to look at the reflected glory of God from Moses' face, so that he must wear a veil just to speak to them. Yet the flame does not burn the wood of the bush, and the divine nature does not consume the humanity of Christ. Jesus' humility is a disguise. It's a cover-up. In his humility, he looks like an ordinary man, but he is and always will be God. As they return down the mountain, Jesus appears as he did before, that glory they saw emit from him is still there. He remains their God. This saying of the Father, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, was prophesied by Isaiah in chapter 42. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. Yes, yet this same servant Isaiah again prophesies of in chapter 52. Behold, my servant shall act wisely, he shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted, as many were astonished at you. His appearance was beyond, was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So this most beautiful son of God will become hideous for our sake, and yet he remains the son of God. Likewise, God remains pleased with him, even as, or rather, especially as, he ascends to Golgotha to bear our iniquities. God is eternally pleased with the son, Yet here, as in Jesus' baptism, his son stands before him in human flesh. So when we hear the father say, in whom I am well pleased, he's not speaking simply of his eternal pleasure with the son with whom he has shared one divine substance. Rather, he is speaking of his son as he is in human flesh. He is pleased with his obedience as a child of Adam. 
And so you cannot separate Jesus' transfiguration from his holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death for our sins. Though we see the gore and the blood, the spitting and the mocking, the suffering and death, we still see the same beautiful son from heaven in whom God is well pleased. And it is because he goes willingly as a lamb to slaughter, which so especially pleases the father. This is why Jesus tells his three disciples not to tell anyone the vision until after he has risen from the dead. Jesus told them the end of the story, but they must not spoil it. We cannot reach the Mount of Transfiguration again without Christ first suffering and dying for our sins. In the Transfiguration, we see who it is who bears our load of sin and shame on the cross, and we see that our sin and guilt stand no chance against the Son of God. Hanging on the cross, it's the same Jesus who shone like the sun on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember that as we again journey with Christ to the cross this Lent. Our God has paid our debts. No mere man died for our sins. But God himself in human flesh, that same God continues to live as a human for all eternity to mediate for us. With Peter, James, and John, Moses, and Elijah, and all the saints, we will see him as he is, for we shall be like him. The transfiguration tells us what is really going on at the cross and what we are headed toward in our journey. This is the message of Holy Scripture. We read, mark, and learn the Bible until this morning star rises in our hearts through faith. And although we do not see him transfigured before us, we know from Scripture that that same morning star is with us now in his holy word and sacraments. May we continue to receive him through faith until we see him again in glory. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. Trinity Lutheran Church would love to have you worship with us. We worship on Saturday nights at 6 and every Sunday morning at 9 with Sunday school and Bible class afterward for all ages. We even have treats, and you're welcome to uh, partake of those with us. We are located on Shawl Avenue in Ottumwa. We're the church on the hill next to Wildwood Park. You can see us between Wildwood Park and Shawl Cemetery. And you can learn more at our website, trinitylutheranottumwa.com. Or go to ChristForUs.org. You can find all of these sermons. In fact, you can even subscribe to them on Spotify or Podbean and, and listen to them anytime you want and share them with, with those who might be interested in listening. Uh, you can also contact me, Pastor James Price, at TrinityLutheranTumble.com. Click on the contact button. I'd love to hear from you and answer any questions that you may have. Please tune in again next week for another broadcast of Christ for Us. Christ for Us.